if I to say I'm Jose and I'm thankful to be serving as one of the pastors over here and at Grace. Um, and as it was said before, today we're going to start kicking, we're going to kick our um, Advent series. We're going to be taking, you know, a pause from John and we're going to resume that later after we're done with all these Christmas events and what's not and whatnot. So um, for starters, and as we was right before the word uh, said before, we're just starting with hope. That's what it is. And um, Advent, that word, what it means, it comes from the Latin Adventus, and it means coming. And that's what we're celebrating, the coming of Jesus. Um, and the purpose of this is that by observing Advent, is to prepare our hearts and minds to the historical event that the Creator God, the God of Israel, became flesh. That's, you know, that's an important thing that happened. And as we have been seeing in John, that's how he starts his gospel, talking about how that word became flesh. And our first name is hope, as was read before by Jamie. And hope that he will redeem the world, that he will come back, that he has come to save us. This hope comes into fulfillment in Jesus. Um, the hope in the coming of the King. So today, we'll be looking how God began working towards the fulfillment of this hope. We'll be looking at the story of the angel announcing the birth of John the Baptist, uh, which is a little before Jesus, you know, but um, that's how it all begins. And this is, that's where Jesus, uh, Luke is telling us where the story is beginning to unfold. So uh, we'll be looking at this. His John the Baptist um, story, his birth, and we'll be looking at how John prepares the Lord's way, and how we are called to do the same. So, let's begin with a word of prayer so we can dive in. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you, thank you of your because of your goodness and and your mercy and your love towards us that you became human, Lord, you put on flesh, and came to us to rescue us. To show us the way to the Father. You're the only one who could have done this. You're the only one that loves us that much. That forgave our sins, Lord. And as we step into this season. Let us remember that, Lord. What you have done. What you started doing in, during this time. And, and just guiding us, Lord. To, so we can become better versions of ourselves, people who love you, people who put your allegiance, our allegiance to you foremost and before everything else. Thank you, Father. Thank you because you're good. And just give us wisdom and give us clarity um, as your Holy Spirit guide us through worshiping you through the word. In your name we pray. Amen. So I invite you all to open your Bibles or turn on your Bibles. Um, on the gospel according to Luke. We're going to read the first 25 verses, so please join me. There's also going to be on the screen, I think. Yep. So, your preference. All right. So, inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers to the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainly concerning, sorry, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, 
there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a, a wife from the daughters of Aaron. And her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord had done for me in the days when he looked, he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. All right, so as we begin this story, we're going to be focusing in answering three questions. What is the problem? What is the solution? And what are its implications? We're going to be looking at these three. For starters, and this is a little intro that, that um, Luke gives us to his writing from verses 1 through 4, he tells us to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us. So with this statement, Luke is inviting us to the story that has been told so far. The story that is in the Old Testament. That's why we find it. Because for things to be accomplished means that they were announced beforehand. So Luke is continuing a story there. And this story, we're going to make a few recap. And this is building up to where they are now, to what the problem is. Um, back in Genesis, God created humanity as image bearers. It, will, it could have worked out, but, you know, uh, the humans decided to be like God, deciding what, what's good and bad, and things just go downhill from there. You got chaos and disorder and death. We got Cain killing his brother. And then we got the flood, which is God just saving humanity 
from themselves. And then we get to the Tower of Babel and just humanity being spread out. Things couldn't be worse. So what God decides to do is that he chooses a family. He chooses Abraham. And he decides, and he calls him to be the family through whom God will redeem humanity and the world. He takes him. He becomes a huge nation. Go through the Exodus, and then they end up at the after forty years of wandering and you know all that. Um, they end up in the Promised Land, and they were supposed to you know follow God's way and living according to His standards. But again, they they did not. So maybe a king would help, and a king did not help. We get David, the greatest king. He does get a promise, and the promise is that one of his descendants will be the king through whom God will redeem Israel now, because Israel was supposed to be the one who's going to redeem the world, but now that lifeboat is sinking, so the captain needs to get get off the lifeboat, you know, and kind of save the lifeboat and the ship. So... We're talking about someone who's going to come through uh, David's line. And the kings, we know, who didn't follow. David did his things, and all the kings went downhill as well. They end up in exile, conquered by other nations. And then the prophet started saying, keep hope. Things are, that person that was promised will come. Just endure. And it was a long time that they had to wait. Nevertheless, we do have hope in God's promises, right? So that does happen. So the prophets spoke of this future restoration through the Messiah. So this is where Luke picks up the story. It ends up, although the Old Testament ends with the expectation of who will restore Israel, who will redeem humanity. And Luke is saying, oh, here comes the messenger who's going to pave the way for the one who will do that. So, this is where he is convinced that he's taking um, the story forward. So, having that, we know it's a huge problem there. Humanity has just gone downhill, and they need redemption. So, that's part of our problem right there. We'll continue, now we'll start, we'll dig into the story. Um, particularly what he starts saying, what he starts writing as, what happened during the days of Herod which tells us when and tells us where. Um, and also, he gives us the protagonist. He tells us Elizabeth, and he tells us about Zechariah. They were blameless and righteous, but they had no children. They were blameless and righteous, and they had no children. How does that work? Um... They were having a hard time with that, and we'll dig into that a little later. So, this is the second aspect of our problem. We know humanity went downhill, and Israel went downhill too. So, that's that. And then we have this couple, they have this personal problem, they have no children. So then God starts acting. And they, they are, it's, it is said about them, Luke describes them as, as we said, blameless and righteous, and that, but Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. And where have we heard that before? The biblical writers, and in this case, Luke, they frequently make reference to the Old Testament. They way back, they bring these echoes, and, 
And this, the purpose of this is to bring to mind what the Lord has communicated in the past and what He has done as well. Because it's a way to prepare the listeners and readers to what's coming. So there is intention with this thing, and we're supposed to make those connections. Now, it was easier for the people, uh, the Jewish people who grew up listening to this all their life, and they will pick up this immediately. The same way in which we would pick up, if I say, in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> right? Or I would say, like, I have a dream. Or if I say, let's follow that trail of breadcrumbs. Do I need to say more? That, I mean, you hear these things and we definitely connect the dots. So the same thing it is in the Bible with this. There were advanced in years. There were very old advanced in years. They were barren. So the echoes that we're supposed to be listening are the ones of Abraham and Sarah. And all these barren women. Uh, Rebecca and Rachel. And also we get a hint of um, Manoah and his wife, uh, Samson's parents. We get that as well. Eli and Hannah. So all these stories are supposed to jump in our heads and think, okay, this was happened, has happened before. What is the, the Lord going to do about it? And also the problem was as well personal and bigger. We will see that in a bit. So Luke describes Elizabeth and Zechariah in the same line as those who have been before him, righteous and blameless. And they were going through something. Um, just like Abraham and David, they were both described as righteous and blameless. And things were not working out their way. And not only that, can you imagine, there, because children back then were kind of like your life insurance and uh, a symbol of being blessed. Being blameless and righteous, and I'm not being blessed. Who hasn't lived that story? Who hasn't been there? Trying to do things right, walking blamelessly, and God is not working, you know, in my favor? I remember a few years ago, um, I, back in Honduras, I, I had this idea, and I was trying to do things right. I was working, and I, I um, was serving at church, and um, trying to have good relationships within my studies and by the people I uh, was working with as well. So I was like, so, Lord, I kind of want a wife. Um, so what am I not doing right right now? Because I'm doing all these things, and sometimes we do confuse those things that it's a kind of retribution thing I do, you give. It doesn't really work like that. The Lord is good regardless. Um, we do put ourselves in situations that we have to bear the consequences of our actions. But in, during this time, I was trying to do things right. I was going through this. And it did not happen. It was not happening. Um, I was expecting to happen during my 20s. I mid-30s. We'll leave it at that. Um, so, not happening at all. Fine. Now, probably a few years later, you know, my wife, um, and I guess that if it would have not been for her, I wouldn't even be here. And we're expecting. Uh, so it's, it's just different. We have been through that situation with Zechariah and Elizabeth uh, were experiencing. 
it's tough. It's hard. And if things do not happen the way we want them, that does not mean that we should lose hope. We should keep pushing. And the Lord will do what He knows that we need at the time when we need it. It's a tough time. And it was tough for Zechariah and Elizabeth. So, coming back to this, we, we get the answer for our first question. We learn that our problem is twofold. We have, in one hand, Elizabeth and Zechariah. They have no child. And Israel is under Roman rule through Herod. That's the second aspect. So Luke is saying, well, the solution will come, and it will address these two aspects of our problem. So now we move into the, into the story. We keep going through the story, verses 8 through 22. And Zechariah is at the temple. He's offering uh, incense because it was his due time. Uh, he's a priest. Therefore, he's supposed to fulfill that role. And we're going to read verses 11 through 17 again. And I want you to imagine this. Because there's a little irony here. And there's, um, you know, how am I going to know that this is going to happen, right? So let, let's, let's read these verses. And there appeared to him an angel, that's verse 11, to the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. So just imagine, he's right there and suddenly an angel appears. And Zechariah was troubled, who wouldn't be, when he saw him and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear uh, you a son. And he shall call his name John. And you, will, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord, and, mu- and he must not drink wine or strong drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And they are disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Again, Luke is making some scriptural allusions to Elijah. And he's, by doing this, he's emphasizing John's task as a prophet. His role is, a, is of a precursor and a preparer. Those two are subordinate to his primary mission, calling Israel to repentance, calling them to turn to the Lord. Why? As we saw at the beginning, because they have abandoned the Lord. They were conquered. They were enslaved. They were taken captive, first by their sin, and then by other nations. And that is the problem, right? Sin is the problem. It is our constant desire to decide what is good, and bad, utterly disregarding what God has already shown us, what is good and bad. And this creates a myriad of problems. Look at where the Israelites were. All that path they, they went through. They consider their allegiance to God, second, to their, view, to their own views and perspectives about their situation in which they were living. So they were in a bad spot. They brought themselves into that bad spot, which is not very different from where we are today. The problem, sin, it, it just, it's the same. It is our constant desire to do what we think is right. And we do not know. At this moment, we get the answer to our second question. First question, the problem, you know, the, the childlessness. 
and uh, Israel being uh, ruled by the um, Roman Empire. Now the solution, again, uh, it addresses these two aspects. So the couple, Elizabeth and Zechariah, um, they will bear a child. And the larger need of Israel for their God to reign will be fulfilled. This is the sign that that will happen. John is coming to prepare that way so they can be ready for that. Then again, we get the reaction of Zechariah in verses 18 through 20. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? You know, an angel just appeared to you. For I am an old man, and my wife is advancing years. And the angel, and the angel answered him, You know, I'm Gabriel. I just happened to stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. I mean, what other sign do you want? It's, it's I mean, that's what the text is saying. And it's, it's funny. And it's supposed to, to make us think that, really? We do the same. We're not very different. But it is interesting that he gets a sign. Behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. So you do get a sign. The sign is that you can't tell anyone. I mean, you can write it, but you won't be able to tell anyone because you did not believe like the biggest, hugest first sign. Anyway, and the things are fulfilled. Zechariah is given a sign. He's unable to speak. He can't tell anyone. Elizabeth, she conceives. And her reproach among the people has been taken away. And what about John? So this child is promised. Elizabeth conceives. And so he grows up. And we're getting a little ahead of our story here. But we need to look into his ministry. We need to look into what he was doing. He did announce that the king was coming. And he called people to repentance. How he did it. They were, he told people to change the way they were living. And let's take a brief look at this, at what he was saying. Those verses, if you want to look for them, they'll be on the screen, I think, are in Luke 3, 10 through 14. And he starts telling, people start asking, so what should we do? How can we be prepared? So he starts telling, telling them, whoever has two tunics is to share with him who, who has none. And whoever has food is to do likewise. So then the tax collectors come and like, uh, what should we do? And he said to them, collect no more than you are authorized to do. Just be fair. Be righteous on that. And then the soldiers came in. So what shall we do? Do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation and be content with the wages. So don't abuse your authority. So do these things, change these ways. I was, he was preaching and telling people, because someone is coming. So, that's what John was doing there. He was taking his task seriously, and he was moving in that direction, preparing the way, telling people to repent, to come back to the Lord, to be fair, to be right, to care for those relationships, to not be abusive. What does that mean for us? Which is our third question. What are these implications? 
As followers of Jesus, we have been called to step into John the Baptist's shoes, to proclaim the good news that the king has come and that he will return. John did that before Jesus came preparing the way. We're just on the other side of the cross doing the exact same thing. We have been called to do, to call people to repentance, to call people to come back to the Lord. The Holy Spirit, I mean, that's the whole purpose of being empowered by the Holy Spirit to go and do this and bring people, the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit through us to the Lord. So it is this time right now that we're celebrating, reminding uh, ourselves, remembering and announcing that the Creator God entered human history as a human being to rescue us, to restore humanity to Himself. And He does it through people. He uses people. As the way He was using John, He's using, He wants to use ourselves. Uh, he, he wants to use us, I mean. And we have been given the task to be preparers and precursors. Preparers because we have been entrusted with making disciples and precursors because we announced that the one who came will come again. Again, we're just on the other side of the cross. We're supposed to do this. So right now, as we are wrapping things up, let's take a pause, let's take a few minutes, and let's think. What can we do or what can we change in our lives to announce God's good news in this time of Advent. So let's take two to three minutes. Get your phones, get your pencils, get paper, get something. Write, write something down. I mean, if you want to. <laughs> but, uh, but, but you should. But you should. Um, and think a specific thing you can do. Right now that family get together, that, that we are in this season, and, and we see people that we haven't seen. What can we do different? with our family, as parents, as children, as brothers, as sisters, as cousins, with our extended family, aunts and uncles or nephews and nieces, grandparents, grandchildren, all of this. And in our job, we spend a fair amount of time in our jo on our jobs. What can we do different? What can we start doing? What can we change? So let's take two to three minutes, let's write things down, and then we'll close in prayer. And if you're done if you're done writing them down just pray with the rest of your time how we can do these things and just be faithful.
So we start um, serving Advent and um, reminding, remembering that hope that the one who came will come again to restore us, to finish his work. Let's start announcing and let's, let's go tell people with both our actions and our words to turn to Jesus, to ourselves to turn to Jesus, to follow him not only as Savior but as Lord and be, cons- and be consistent uh, with that hope that he is coming back. He will finish his work. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Thank you, again, because of your word. It gives us wisdom and it, and it reminds us, Lord, that what, what you have done, that you have saved us and redeemed us from our way of life and called us to be your followers and to disciple all people, Lord. And as we enter this uh, next few weeks, remembering that you took on flesh, Lord, became a, became a human so you can save us. So you could redeem us Lord, and show us the way to live. The one that will go beyond death, Lord, to your new heavens and new earth. Thank you, because that just depends on what you have done, Lord. And all this is just to announce that you are good, that you love us, that you have come, you have come dwell among us. We thank you for that, Father. We, we just will be lost and astray, Lord. And thank you for just finding us and bringing us back. Help us, strengthen us. Keep reminding us about this hope that you will come back as we go and announce and tell people just the same way John did, proclaiming that there is a king that is King Jesus. May his good news, Lord, may we proclaim and announce his good news that he has saved us to all of those, all of those who surround us with our actions and words, our relationships, Lord. Help us be faithful to that as we fulfill our task. In your name we pray.